Hi, I'm Nick. And I'm Rob. We're a writing team from New Jersey with a passion for film. An aggressive, all-consuming passion. Well, whenever we see a news article we find, like, insane, uh, immediately it's... How can we make a movie out of this? Every episode we read a crazy article from different sources and tumble down our own rabbit hole. Discussing cast, crew, and plot. And then we hash out a pitch for a feature film. So, join us as we BS about movies and ask the important question... What do you got? What do you got? What do you got? What do you got? We will uh, we'll begin this episode now. <laughs> Truly, I don't know why I keep doing this with you. <laughs> <laughs> because this is the type of fun that we have, Rob. Speaking of fun, hey everybody, welcome to the What Do You Got podcast. <laughs> this is episode 23. That's a really loud car outside. I wonder if everyone can hear that. Um, I couldn't. Okay, that's good. Uh, it was very loud. Welcome back to What Do You Got? We are uh, sorry that we missed last week. The world got away. Uh, as it has all of 2020. We <laughs> we do usually a uh, bi-weekly, meaning not twice a week, but every other week, because it can mean both. Uh, we do a bi-weekly podcast, as you all know, every other Thursday. However, since we missed last Thursday, we decided to pick up this Thursday on top of Christmas Eve next week, since we do have a Christmas special planned. Uh, so this week, the article is brought Snow to you by... Snow and gumdrops and presents. Hooray! Yeah, yeah, definitely. Made of made of all of those things, but it's audio, so you won't be able to taste any of them. Um, go ahead and lick your headphones. That's, you know, that's on you. Uh, no, no, not you, Rob. Not you. <laughs> just, yeah. our, just our listeners. <laughs> don't lick your headphones. Yeah, let me let me let me start with a PSA here. Please don't lick your headphones. I mean, I got stuffing in my mouth. <laughs> why is there stuff? Oh, I, I thought you meant like turkey stuffing. <laughs> oh, God help us all. <laughs> you just shove stuffing in your headphones. Um, this this episode is brought to us by uh, Mr. Rob over here as he found this article and will be pitching us from the get-go. So without further ado, just like last time and every time before it, Rob, why don't you tell us a little bit about our uh, our French nemesis? Well, you tried. Um, so we're I think I think about... that's my slogan, by the way. Oh, <laughs> well, I tried. Well, you tried. <laughs> it's. You can put that on your headstone, like yeah. like Jack Lemon has my favorite headstone of all time, which is Jack Lemon in, like it's a movie title card. Yeah. That could be yours. Well, I tried. <laughs> but uh, we're going to be talking about, uh, honestly, one of the most fascinating criminals I've ever read about. Um, the kind of guy who, who lends himself immediately to film and who sounds vaguely like a character from some sort of Hideo Kojima game. Absolutely. Um, his name was Jacques Marine, uh, and he was uh, a French criminal um, who <sighs> went on this absolute tear of, of thievery and smuggling and uh, shootouts across Europe, uh, the United States, and Canada. And Venezuela. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> he, uh, he was known as the man of a thousand faces because he was so incredibly good at disguise um, able to change his appearance, his hair, just little alterations to his face or the way he dressed and hold him, held himself. Um, and this kept him on the run despite the fact that he became an incredibly famous person. Um, people love these Robin Hood type of images, and he was just like a lot like that, but always with a very beautiful woman uh, <laughs> on his arm. <laughs> um, it, it, it's, it's hard even to, to find a good place to start with him. But um, he grew up, obviously, in Nazi-occupied France. Uh, he was born in the mid-30s. And uh, he spoke later on about seeing um, a massacre of villagers uh, by German soldiers, which is probably one of those events that led him to having relatively positive feelings about violence and, and theft uh, yeah. later on in life. It's, I think those are, I think world war two is one of those things that definitely shapes your youth. Yeah. When you grow up in a Nazi regime and yeah. watch people get lined up against a wall and shot, everything else you do is kind of like, well, it's not, well, the Nazis. Who, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> like, I saw a massacre. Um, so he became, you know, a juvenile delinquent and, you know, got married young, got divorced young. 
Um, and then he wound up, and this is where a lot of his skills came from, being drafted into the French army. Um, and he just, I think, really for the thrill of it, volunteered for special forces duty. Yeah. He was trained as a parachute uh, trooper and a commando. Um, and he volunteered for pretty much every extremely dangerous or unethical assignment, uh, I would say, that came mm-hmm. his way. Um, he was in Algeria uh, during their struggle against the French. Um, he participated in counterinsurgency operations. He killed prisoners. He was taught how to torture um, by the French government. Um, was decorated <laughs> um, with a uh, I gotta look it up. It's, it's some sort of like military valor mm-hmm. medal by Charles de Gaulle, the most famous French military and political leader of the century. Um, but he also hated military discipline, so he was just kind of there for the thrill of it. Yeah. Um, but throughout all this, he this noticeably made him, um, I'm not quite sure how to say it. I, I almost this is something that that forced him along the path to sociopathy. Um, a lack of empathy on his part. He mm-hmm. became quieter and, and more violent. Uh, and then, uh, then the robberies started. Yeah. <laughs> it's, he, it's interesting how like he it's fr- from the beginning of the article and stuff, he, you know, it talks about how kind of like these, these, uh, experiences shaped the way he sees things. And like you, like you said, like, uh, it kind of became like a sociopath and stuff like that, but it, it just gets so so colorful when we get to the robberies it's like oh he's he's hardened and he's against he's he's he has no problem with violence and you know he saw the nazis kill people and then once he gets to the robberies he liked to play dress up and he loved champagne and it's just kind of like yeah. a big oh, God, step he loved food and wine he had a restaurant in fact yeah. uh, worked hard to make people think that that's all he did but obviously yeah. it didn't work he, he got involved with the criminal underground um there are some fascinating images in the article that we're going to post that you guys should check out as well. Just the ways he would change his face. Um, sometimes he would use masks, but more often than not, it would just be changes to his appearance. You would be surprised as to what, like putting on facial hair or a wig or glasses or just holding yourself differently yeah. um, can do to really make you look like an absolutely different person. None of these photos look like the same guy. Yeah. And he hasn't really done a lot. It's that Superman effect almost. Mm-hmm. Um. So I'm I'm trying to find a a good uh, portion of the article to just read verbatim. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, And in this article, folks, uh, as you listen along, there's a there's a small photo gallery as well, just of different looks he took on. And yeah, it's it's simple to see. Like, I would not have been able to tell any of these two images were the same person if I had like, you know, seen that guy in passing. Uh, here's a good quote. After leaving the army age 23, he decided to become a criminal. He wanted even then to be a king, to be number one, to have international standing. So this all became about attention and thrill-seeking for him. Um, he would, uh, he enjoyed uh, <laughs> performing robberies with his, his wife and then later his girlfriends, even the, saying, uh, the use of the Tarzan, word Eugene. <laughs> yeah, the use of the word performing throws me off heavily. <laughs> yeah, I don't committing <laughs> yeah but it's just like it's just like you know like by, by act two when he robbed the bank um his stage manager was a little upset with the way he carried himself <laughs> yep uh it's you know he they were he was arrested eventually and incarcerated in, in quebec for uh, uh botching and kidnapping mm-hmm. um escaped pretty quickly uh to texas got sent back uh and then got out again um and then he hooked up with uh, the quebec terrorist movement um quebec has, has long had and i didn't really know this before now yeah uh, efforts to become separate from canada mm-hmm. uh french uh, for the french-speaking canada to be its own country and this was like a violent struggle we don't tend to think about canada in those terms <laughs> yeah the word violent does not come up often mm-hmm. 
Uh, let's see, what else do we have here? He'd, he'd rob several banks in a row, waiting for the police sirens and then getting into the car to take down a bank the next street over. He would essentially use the police response to his first <laughs> bank robbery of the day to then go to another bank and rob it because the, he knew the police were at the other one. Yeah, it's a very <laughs> simple plan, but it was so successful. Yeah. Uh, this, this is a great one. Uh, he he got uh, caught again. He knew he, he knew he would, but he, he had this whole plan yeah. in mind. He was taken to um, a courthouse in the Campania, but feigning an attack of diarrhea, he located a gun concealed in the toilet cistern by an accomplice and hid it in his belt. When asked to answer charges, he grabbed the judge and using him as a human shield, made his way <laughs> down the hallway and out in a hail of gunfire. Yep. Um, <laughs> But, uh, of course, becoming public enemy number one uh, in France and becoming well-known across the world, uh, both for the daringness of his many robberies and the changing of his face and for – he would just give money to people. Like, yeah. he, he did have kind of a good heart in that sense. Um, so he became just very, very famous. Uh, he became the absolute focus of one particular detective's uh, desire to track down a fellow named Broussard. The, the – uh description of him kind of being a little bit like a robin hood is is interesting to me because while yeah this is like the 1970s and stuff a lot of people don't remember or don't realize that back in like the 1930s and stuff in like you know the american west when when uh, gangsters and and bank robbers were like the bee's knees (laughs) they were Mm -hmm. very similar to that robin hood like you know stature they they were stealing from the banks they were stealing from the government anytime they were there and people tried to give them their money they goes you know it was we don't want your money we want the bank's money their money's insured um yeah that's it's that classic uh what's that movie heat uh yeah speech that you have like your money's insured we're stealing from the bank um it's easy for people to forgive these kinds of things if you're charismatic in the public eye it's right, that yeah. john Gotti effect of like yep. ah but he's cool he's cool mm-hmm. <laughs> um you know he escaped from prison again and then we saw he became excellent at manipulating the media once he was uh, out of prison he would um, invite magazine photographers and journalists yeah. to secret apartments and locations and he would pose for photographs with a machine gun and he'd you know uh talk uh, at length about injustice and you know we're we're rebelling against uh maximum security prisons and our oppressive french government and you know it's (laughs) he was made for for magazines yeah absolutely um except for one time um this is really when things began to uh take a serious turn uh a journalist and former policeman wrote a very unflattering article about him so jacques um Somehow lured him to a, <laughs> yeah to a cave out in the country. I think with promise of an interview, uh, beat him terribly, shot him three times, and and left him there. Uh, took pictures of his bloody and naked body, uh, and and sent them to his magazine. But the guy actually survived. I think. Oh, did he? Uh, I didn't see that part in the article. I, I the article doesn't mention that he's survived, but I think the, I, I first became aware of of Jacques from a, uh, a YouTube channel called Biographics, and I think they said the hmm. guy survived. Oh wow! Um, despite being shot three times, including once in the head. Jesus. Uh, and this is when the public turned against him because now he's not just this Robin Hood figure; he's mm-hmm. a violent thug who will not hear the slightest uh, bad word about himself. Right. And then we get to really what I think is the most interesting part of his life, which is when he was killed. Um, sort of, it feels like an execution. Like, I don't think they were going to take him alive. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, they say, they say, they, they quote from a TV interview, like, well, we gave him a chance to surrender. And it's like, not, nah, not really. <laughs> um, you can see in the article, there's a picture of his car. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's very Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah, as a content warning, you do see uh, him slumped over in the front seat of his car with all the bullet holes, and there's yes, a lot of blood. There's a lot of blood, so yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, essentially he was meeting his girlfriend, and they were going to go drive off somewhere. I, f- I forget if they were going on vacation or going to do something. Um, I know he had some kind of kidnapping plot, and he was shot dead. by the, His car was blocked in by a truck. They had this whole thing. like They knew where he was and that he was going to be driving, so they fenced him in and, and gunned him down in the car. And uh, it, it was definitely cold blood. 
Um, it, it feels like something from the departed, like at the end of the yeah. movie when like Ray Winston gets killed and mm-hmm. Jack runs off and, and eventually gets killed. Falls in the bulldozer. Uh, yeah. Which it, it feels, it, it just feels weird for the police to absolutely execute someone like that. Yeah. But uh, a little tag at the end. After Marine died, the authorities found a cassette tape in a drawer in his apartment addressed to his last love, Sylvia. Hello, darling. He said, if you read this, I'll have been killed by the police, which is nothing we didn't expect. I died with a gun in my hand. And even though I might not have had the time to use it, if I had, I would have. And that kind of sums up Jacques Marine to me. Yeah. Yeah. But the absolute scale of the robberies and just how many there were is really what makes him so interesting to me becoming public enemy number one like you said in that very bonnie and clyde fashion yeah fascinating guy yeah and and that you know that that uh shootout at the end feels very for anyone who's seen uh the highwaymen on netflix about the Mm. the uh, who who are they were they u.s uh marshals no, they were uh, um, Texas Rangers. They were Texas Rangers, yeah, something like that. Uh, yeah, I don't, they uh, weren't federal. Um, but that that shootout at the end of them just being like, "Look, we just gotta take them down. This this has to be the end. This is it." <laughs> mm-hmm. You know. Um, yeah. So as we again, this this article is is quite long and quite in depth. So you know, we we skimmed some of the components, and we'll talk a little bit more about some of the things uh, while we pitch, uh, but. Why don't we get right down to it? So, Rob, what do you got? Um, so the the first uh, thing that struck me about this was that I want it to be a really stylized film um, because this is a very stylized human being. I um, I went the same direction, so this should be fun. <laughs> I'm, I'm wondering if you might have t- uh, gone with a counterpoint uh, counterpart to my director here because the guy I decided I wanted to direct the movie was Matthew Vaughn. Okay. Um, who started his career as a producer for Guy Ritchie's films and eventually mm-hmm. moved on to things like uh, directing uh, Lair Cake, uh, X-Men First Class, uh, the Kingsman films, which I love a lot. Um, really, really stylish filmmaker who I enjoy a lot. Um, I don't know a lot of French actors, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of the ones that came to mind has actually played Jacques Marin in a French language film. So I'm like, all right, I won't go with him. So you went with Vincent Cassel? No, I did not. Yeah. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> uh, I went with um, an actor named Roman Duris, okay. um, who has become known in Hollywood of late. He was in the Ridley Scott film All the Money in the World, okay, uh, which, of course, was that movie that Kevin Spacey was in, and then they cut him out and replaced him with Christopher Plummer. Mm-hmm. Uh, that got him an Oscar nom, right? Or did he win? Yes, it did. Yeah. Uh, he didn't win. Okay. Uh, but... Just lost my train of thought. Yeah, he played um, the Italian criminal who came up with the idea of kidnapping the uh, grandson of the wealthiest man in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, who the reason I was impressed with him is because this guy becomes a lot less uh, gung ho about this kidnapping and about the violence, and eventually he winds up having to sell this this kidnapping contract to the the powerful crime families of Italy um just to keep it going and he he sort of lets the kid go at the end just because this is now way above anything that he thought was going to happen um so i like that element of humanity in someone who otherwise is a violent criminal uh he hasn't done a whole lot else in hollywood but he is the guy who is making the tom and jerry live action movie (laughs) (laughs) that that looks that movie i'm sorry that movie looks straight out of the early 2000s it sure looks, does. It looks like the Rocky and Bullwinkle movie. Like you turn around three times and you expect Brendan Fraser is going to be there. Yeah. Um, and then I didn't have like one set um, French actress I wanted to use just because he had a wife and then a bunch of girlfriends. Right. I know I wanted the last uh, girlfriend uh, that was in the car with him when he was killed to be played by Leah Sadu. <laughs> uh, of late, you know, I she's love her the so Bond girl. Yeah. We share a birthday. Oh, do you? Yeah. Yeah, she's great. I think she's one year older than me. Yeah, I think something like that. Really? Oh, I thought yeah. she was older than that. I could be. I could be very wrong there. But we do share yeah. a birthday. I know that for a fact. Uh, and I wanted his his wife, uh, who he first started pulling. Sorry, five uh, years heists. older than me. Oh, five. Yeah. <laughs> uh, who he first started pulling heists with to be played by uh, Clemens Posey uh, from In Bruges. 
Ooh, which okay. is my favorite. Yep. Um, and and then the detective. This was the, figuring out who should play the detective was a tough one because now I got to think of slightly older French actors, and I got to fall back on people that I love, and that's Jean Reno. Okay, well, I'm going to tell you right now, we cast the same person for the detective. Of course. Um, <laughs> it's John it, Renault. What are you going to do? Like, <laughs> yeah, it feels typical, but also he's incredible. He is. He's fantastic. <laughs> and I I knew the moment I picked him, I was like, Rob's going to pick him. He loves yeah. Renault. Like this. I do. <laughs> Everything from Ronan to the fucking Pink Panther. I'm yeah. there for it. <laughs> the professional is one of my favorites. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that's, that's, uh, the sort of casting crew I was going to go with and plot wise, I want to start with a bang. So I want to start with the, uh, the death of Jacques Marine. Okay. Um, to kind of establish what's that phrase? These violent delights have violent ends. Um, Mm -hmm. that this is this is how it ends. This is all how it's always going to end. You need to really reinforce that just because he had a lot of fun and was very popular. Like you don't get to do this forever. Yes. And you yeah. don't get to retire or have a nice beach life at the end. Yeah. Of it. Yeah. Um, so I, I just have it very clearly in my head with very fast editing, you know, him getting blocked in by a car and then, you know, the tarp getting pulled back on a truck and it's full of SWAT guys. Just, I think he got shot 15 times, which is, yeah, it's, it's a lot, even from just the photo. Yeah. You can see a lot of shots. There was a dog in the car that got killed. Somehow his girlfriend was okay. Well, I think she paralyzed her arm, but, um, they absolutely lit that car up. And like you said, in a very Bonnie and Clyde fashion. Yeah. And that's a hell of a way to start a film. (laughs) Yeah. Um, from there, I don't think, necessarily i want to do a let's track his entire life movie right um after we get out of the (laughs) i hesitate to call it a cold open (laughs) uh just because boom uh probably we i would want to do um a large portion of the movie being one day okay or or two days of planning the next day of bank heists and then really just like we're talking about the, the most fun thing is that he was robbing multiple banks in a day. Yeah. Just to came the police very confused and off their feet. Like, no, no, we're at this bank. That's not the bank. being robbed. No, it's also being robbed. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. This is the one that said they were robbed. So there's a third call in. Hi. Uh, I think this one's being robbed too. <laughs> yeah, just that that moment of like cold realization when the police like, officers figure out like, yeah, oh my god, it's all happening. <laughs> um, just that 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 would be like just a really fun, fast paced, long sequence in the movie, probably like yeah. half an hour. Yeah, of, yeah, of yeah, just the planning, and then the next day, just boom, 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 boom. I think we're gonna do like four banks in a day, <laughs> and uh, we'll have him put on a different look for each. Yeah, and like probably swap cars just because yeah, we costume with it. design and like ma- hair and makeup and stuff would be a big proponent for this film. Yeah, we're we're gonna have a lot of fun with that. <laughs> yeah, um, and from there, I think once we kind of establish those bona fides, what I become really interested in is his relationship to the press and public opinion. Mm-hmm. So I think um, we skip ahead from there to when he has escaped from prison in the mid-late 70s uh, and is courting all this press attention. And we, we see how he's being covered on, on television and in magazines. And I'm thinking man-on-the-street interviews of what people think about Jacques Marine. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to see this going to his head. I want to see his already fairly high opinion of himself and his skills. And his fragile ego. Yeah, just yeah. absolutely ballooning until it becomes patchwork thin. And then that article, like, we need to bring people crashing down to Earth. And I'm thinking we graphically show what he did to that journalist in the cave. That's your ending? Um, yeah, I'm thinking, I like, like that. that's kind of the climax of the film. And we kind of coast to the end with him expecting to still be Jacques Marine, public enemy number one, the most charismatic man in the world. Yeah, yeah. And now, like, he can't just go about doing what he was doing. Yeah. Uh, or using his real face or just giving people money like people are recoiling from him. Right, yeah, because now people are actively afraid. 
because now they know who he is and he does not understand like he's not going to grow as a character he does not understand what happened because he's, right. he's, he's always been this guy they just never saw it yeah but he's the one that showed the photos so that's an interesting turn right like he's the one that gave them the the look into this side of his life and his personality mm-hmm. yeah um did you have any titles he was, he was you know he was proud of it yeah um i it's hard to come up with a title better than the man of a thousand faces yeah i was thinking that too but that's also the lon cheney movie or man with a thousand faces what was it oh i know what you're talking about yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. that's that's one of his, his big makeup movies yeah hmm that was the only reason i didn't choose that as well man of a thousand faces was the uh, 1957 film uh about lon cheney now off the top of my head, I'm trying to think. I'm gonna I'm gonna go and Google Translate because I want to see if there's a French way of saying Robin Hood. Hmm. Okay. Because that would intrigue me, or at least like. Live Robin Hood. Robin Hood. What do you got, Google? It looks like Robin de Bois, which is not bad. Can you spell it for me? It's just it's Robin. And then D E S space B O I S. Okay, Dubois, yeah, yeah. Which is not bad. That's not terrible. Yeah, I, I guess... feel like that if in, from a from a publicity standpoint, people will just be like, "Oh, they're making remaking Robin Hood with French people." <laughs> um, I suppose you can cut Robin out of it, and then it would just be like, I guess the hood would just be Dubois, which could be or a no, take on hood. like criminality and stuff and masking yourself. Let's see. Oh, the hood in French is Le Capot. Hmm. Okay. That reminds me of that terrible CW show, The Cape. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Hey, Keith David was in that. That's yeah, that's fun. true. <laughs> How to say Robin Hood in French. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, so that's maybe just a thousand faces. Okay. All right. Because then, you know. You know it comes down to really there's two faces there's the public face and then there's you know the actual torturer right special forces thief and killer um but if that, yeah i like i kind of like a thousand faces okay now we're not treading on the ghost of lon cheney right yeah <laughs> or james cagney or lon cheney jr <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so that's pretty much everything then that, uh, I'm coming into this with, uh, Nick, what do you got? All right. So we kind of came up with the same film. Ironically, we don't do that too often, even though we're reading the same article. Um, (laughs) we usually, we sometimes tend to go in kind of alternate directions that kind of, we have to bring ourselves back to. Uh, but this time I think we both had very much a similar idea of how we wanted this to run. The first thing I wrote down while I was writing notes about this was how do I make this different from another uh, mob biopic? You know, like how do we make this different from Ray's pizza or, uh, or heat or, you know, the departed or anything like that, or, or uh, American uh, American gangster. Um, And I came up with the same sort of idea as you. I don't want to go through his whole life. I want to focus on towards the end. Um, My movie opens a little bit different. Uh, Oh, before I get into that, let me give you my cast and director and stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, So for director, I chose actually Damien Chazelle. Um, Almost solely for Whiplash. Uh, His use of suspense in that movie. And I guess you could kind of say like authority. um, I really enjoy. And Whiplash is an absolutely phenomenal film. It's it's certainly... One of the larger than life characters of this generation, yes. if not the, yeah, absolutely. Um, so I chose Jamie Chisel. I actually, I actually haven't seen uh, La La Land, and I know that's kind of that was his big next thing after Whiplash. But um, mm-hmm. so I chose him as my director. Uh, my cast uh, for Broussard, as we know, Jean Reno, because um, mm-hmm. he has to be. <laughs> um, for um, how, how do you pronounce? The, I, I don't know French at all. So I, I was reading it as Mezrin, which is obviously wrong. Uh, I, I believe it's Jacques Marine. Marine. Okay. So for Marine, I chose my favorite French actor, um, Jean Dujardin from The Artist. Uh, 
He's so good. Yeah, I love him. He's fantastic. Uh, also very hilarious in The Wolf of Wall Street. Um, funny enough, I, so I, I streamlined the female character as well so that we don't uh, go through, like, you know, the wife, the different girlfriends and stuff, and I just kind of kept it as one person. Uh, ironically, instead of Leia Sado, I chose her on-screen sister, Melanie Laurent, from uh, from Inglorious Bastards. Um on top of that, I chose one final person who I purposely didn't make French. Uh, I chose the character of, of Mercier, who they talk about. Again, I'm probably butchering this. I apologize anyone who speaks or knows French. Uh, but one of the guys he's said to have, uh, you know, criminal past with. Um, I chose Jude Law because I kind of wanted oh. to throw I kind of wanted to throw someone else in there that wasn't just an entire French cast. Um that's my cast. That's my director. My premise here is very similar to yours. It is the later portion of his life. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't start with the shootout, though. I start with the scene that kind of grabbed me the most in this article, which is talking about when Broussard says that they had his house surrounded and he invited Broussard in for a glass of champagne. So my <sighs> that film... Was, that was an interesting episode, yeah. Yeah. So my film starts with literally the police swarming the apartment or complex or wherever he is, um, you know, sirens blaring, uh, mega megaphones screaming, and he kind of just comes to the door. And the the quote from Broussard in the in the article says, "I gave him the choice to come out unarmed or die." He asked if I was Commissioner Broussard with the beard, and would I approach unarmed, which I did. He then opened the door with the biggest cigar in his mouth, invited me in, and offered me a glass of champagne. So, <laughs> man, <laughs> I thought, loved him some sparkling wine. Seriously, I found that so fascinating from the perspective of seeing this as a sort of like a stage play scene, right? It's just a. a I mean, that st- would be the whole. If you were doing a play, that would be the whole play. Absolutely, yeah. Would be them in that room together. Yeah, that dialogue, that that conversation between the two men. So my film starts off with that, and the the quote unquote cold opening would be a good twenty thirty minutes. As we know, I'm a sucker for for long openings with the title card not showing for a good half hour into the film. Um, so it starts off with the two of them uh, conversating around his past. So uh-huh. without it without it being too expositiony, uh, it would be him kind of discussing you know how he's been following him through his career and stuff like that. Um, and the, the idea that I had was basically, honestly, the, the same as you. After that moment, we kind of go through the uh, the trial uh, and the beginning of his love of fame as the news articles and the media start kind of hailing him as this Robin Hood. And it you know, goes to his head and he has this huge ego about it uh, going through those things. And then we do end with the, with the shootout um, after, again the uh the issue with the the one um news reporter that he you know beats in an alley and and sends the photos to the to the newspaper and stuff like that Uh, which by the way i was just reading more about that guy he did survive wow um he lost the use of one arm but during this period of contact with mezrin which i just found out is how you say it mezrin okay um he discovered the identity of one of his accomplices and this is how the police were eventually able to track him down. Oh, we have to make that a big part then. Yes. All right. So uh, we're going to, that was not in the article. This. So that's a huge yeah. thing. Yeah. We're going to have to cast this news reporter then. Wow. Is he still alive today? Do you know? Uh, let's see. Cause he's a let's see, former policeman and later, uh, member. Of oh, the so press. he was a policeman. Yes. And he, then a news reporter. Um, wow. Let's see. I, I don't, there's not a date of death on here. Okay. Um, looks like he became the director and CEO of a, a media group eventually. Uh, What's his name? Jacques Tillier. Okay. Let's see. When, are you still you still kicking it, Jacques? There's too many Jacques. Too many. Yeah, that... he's, uh, yeah, it says he's still alive. He's 73. Wow. Okay. And that he was born in Algiers, in Algeria, which is where Jacques Mazarin served. Wow. That's insane. Yeah, he's 73 years old. That's crazy. Uh, yeah, we're definitely going to have to put him in this film. <laughs> oh, for sure. Uh, so, I mean, just just because uh, he has played Jacques Mazarin 
in a French film. I think it would be fun to have Vincent Cassels play this reporter. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, because he can bring a different perspective into playing someone playing off of a character that he has played. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Which it's happened a couple times in film that I can think of. <laughs> true, <laughs> kind of that that uh, nod to the cameo. Yep. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of my ending, uh, where you know after he beats this reporter and stuff. And now we know that that reporter is kind of the reason he was able to be, well, I can't use the word apprehended, but Mm -hmm. (laughs) found and brutally murdered to death. Um, (laughs) Yes. Now that I'm reading more things that have come out over the years, uh, they fired 20 times into the car, hit Jacques 15 times. And apparently this is highly controversial and only some people have said that it happened, but a coup de gras was delivered with a pistol. Oh, really? Yeah. All right. That finished him off. Yeah, that's fascinating. Because this was in, like, the streets of Paris. Like, this is just in the city that it happened, wasn't it? Yeah, they were at his his girlfriend's apartment, and they were planning on going somewhere. And they had been tracking him for, like, a couple days. Uh, Knew that he was in there. um, Knew that he had said on numerous occasions that he's never going to surrender. Right, Uh, yeah. And then he will go down violently. So they planned uh, to box him in with a couple cars, including a, a cargo truck, which they threw the top off of and shot down into him. Jeez. Yeah, that's 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 the ending right there. That has to be just the, the final scene. Um, and then we do the coup de gras, and you know, maybe that's the cut to black or something like that. Well, here's here's what I'm thinking, because you talking about that that moment of dialogue between him and, and Inspector Broussard. Yeah. I I had forgotten about that and it is utterly fascinating that really doesn't happen a lot it feels fake yeah you know, it, it does. feels like it something feels that people scripted. add to movies yes yeah. so i i still i'm thinking we we should still start with with the day he was executed okay uh, so you want a cult, because unless we're going to write something at the level of the the beginning of inglorious bastards mm-hmm. it's very hard to open a crime very and action film with a very dialogue heavy thing yeah very true. We're, we're pretty good. We're not that good. <laughs> um, speaking of, we need to start sitting down and actually writing something. Because I would love to put like maybe a, a scene or a demo script out on our podcast just for uh, for people yeah. to see some. Look of our for work. it in the new year, everyone. We're gonna have yeah. some pages for you to read. Um, <laughs> um, I got the itch too. Yeah, definitely. Now that I have my whole new computer set up, I have a lot more space to to it's be beautiful. There. It is gorgeous. <laughs> um so yeah i'm thinking i'm thinking we start at the end with that so i like that so we start there then we cut to title card and then we go into the conversation yes because then like we we've done the action we've got people's attention now we can really get into the bona fides of these two characters and what they yeah. feel and why they're doing what they're doing and just have a really good period of dialogue maybe 15 20 minutes like you're talking about yep um and then we do, like, let's have some fun. We do the robberies. We do the disguises. The single day, right? Um, I, I, I think we should see, like, the prep that he puts into it. Right, like, but I know, mean, just... for the robberies, we're doing the scene where, the you know, they rent yes, it yes. each. The, like, the day of four banks. Yes, yeah. The day of four banks. I like that title. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, just to to really show that he is, like, a pretty masterful thief. Yeah, uh, and we we lean heavier into the media elements of it. We do fake newscasts, we do the the magazines, and we sh- we show him posing and doing interviews and going off on the government and maximum mm-hmm. security prisons and like you can you can see his head growing, big time. Yeah, and then you know we have those kind of on the street moments because seventies news videos always fascinate me just because the stylistic way that they're shot and the the you know the fashion of the 70s and the the long-ass Bob Barker microphone that they use. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd love to see that in France, you know? Uh, just this, this these reporters with the giant mutton chops, long hair, bell bottoms, <laughs> big collars. <laughs> just interviewing all these people like, what do you think of Mazarin? <laughs> oh, j'adore Jacques Mazarin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, just women like swooning. Yeah, yeah, legit. Um, uh, yeah. Oh, a couple, a couple titles that I came up with. Um, I, the, the one of the first ones was "The Killing Instinct," which is the name of his very fictional autobiography. They talk about in the in the uh, article, 
Yeah, um, France had to pass a law saying yeah. criminals couldn't like profit off of media of their crimes because yeah. this this son of a bitch put out a best selling book while he was on the run. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Um, the other ones I came up with were just on the streets of Paris, um, and then the one that is basically about the the conversation between the two of them. Uh, the title is French Conversation and a Bottle of Champagne. <clears throat> it's a great play title. It is, yeah. I would definitely go though. see that on Broadway. <laughs> um, I don't think we want to do Streets of Paris just because like, he was such a world traveler. Yeah. Yeah, that's Staying true. Staying at the Waldorf Astoria is funny to me while he's on the run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, shoot, what was the one you just said before that I said that's a good title? <laughs> Shit. Um <laughs> We can always look back. Um, But yeah, I I think, I mean, a thousand faces is probably the best, the best starting point for that, at least. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, that's, I think that's what we do. We start off with the, uh, the end of them, you know, the whole shootout. You start off like the movie opens with them surrounding the car, um, boxing it in and then shooting in. Maybe we don't show the coup de grace until the end of the film like maybe that's that's that last shot is just cut yeah we tell the story still alive after that barrage yeah and then we tell the story and then in the very end we see the shot and maybe i mean we take a little uh we take a little writer's liberty with it maybe it's broussard who does the shot or you know i was just thinking the same thing yeah like let's establish during that parlay they have over champagne that they talk about his time in Algeria. Yeah. They talk about the torturing and the killing of the, the dissidents and everything you learn there. Uh, and maybe Inspector Broussard says, you know, how how do you talk yourself, especially for the first time, into doing something so violent and depraved? Mm-hmm. And Jack just says, you don't hesitate. And then we hear that again at the end of the film as, as Broussard puts a pistol to his head as he's shot up in the car. He says you don't hesitate yeah that's great that's perfect oh man that's a good that's a good uh rebound the funny thing anytime i hear inspector with like a french with like a french policeman or something the mm-hmm. first thing that comes to mind is the french inspector in taken who's constantly just telling liam neeson about his desk god damn it brian i sit behind the desk now <laughs> that's what happens when you sit behind a jet shop close forget the weight in the hand of a gun that's loaded one that's not have you forgot that I seat behind that desk? <laughs> Just he says it like fifteen times in that film, <laughs> but that's the first thing that pops up. Um, <laughs> did you? If, uh, detectives in San Francisco are called Inspector, which I, I find fascinating. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um. All right. I think we honestly, it's kind of, it's it's a three act film. We have the the opening, we have the conversation, we have the robberies and the the prep and the robberies, and then we have that last cut shot. To Brassard responding yeah. to their conversation in his apartment. Yeah. Um, Climax, obviously, being what happens in that cave. Yeah. Uh, showing oh, that yes, this yeah, is going to yeah, be yeah. his downfall. Yep. And that's that's how, yeah. He brings upon his end by himself. By, yep. by showing his, quote-unquote, fans what he thinks they want to see, you know? And it's, uh, yeah, it's too far. Um, so let's let's hash this out with who we're choosing. Uh, director Matthew Vaughn or Damien Chazelle? Hmm. Um, I would Matthew probably Vaughn. lean with Vaughn because okay. Chazelle is not really tested on action. Yeah, I, I mean, well, so that's the question, right? How much of this film do you actually see as action? I don't know if I see it as an action film as much as I see it as more of a drama. Oh, definitely. But certain, I mean, I'm trying to think, you know, La La Land... First Man, uh, Whiplash. This, okay. this is something, something that's not there that would be in this kind of a film. Yeah. So the only other person I'm thinking of actually is um, oh, who directed it? Uh, sorry, give me one second. That was oh, that was Ron Howard. I was thinking of Frost Nixon, but that's probably just because it also takes place in the '70s and it's about conversation. <laughs> Um, I forgot that was a Ron Howard film. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I yeah, I'm I'm fine with Matthew Vaughn. Um, 
I need to see La La Land. I need to see because that movie is very polarized among people and in, in who, oh, who yeah. have seen that film. <laughs> do you have you seen it? Yeah, I saw it in theaters. What, what side do you land on? I liked it. Okay, I, you know, I'm not going to pretend it's like it's not as good as Whiplash, right? Um, there are problems with it. Okay, certainly, but ultimately, it's a surprisingly old fashioned kind of love story. I also really fucking love jazz. Yeah, so. me too. I mean, that, that was, was an easy sell for me. Yeah, that like was when it really hits, things. it becomes just an old-fashioned Hollywood romance musical. Yeah, I need to check it out. Um, okay, cast. Who did you have as Mazarin again? Uh, Roman Dury. Uh, What's from, from All the Money in the World? Um, I do like Jean Dujardin better in that role, to be honest. Okay, I love Jean Dujardin. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's just—he's so fascinating to watch have you ever seen any of his french movies i have not actually he did a series of i don't want to call them spoof spy movies because they're still spy movies they're just funny yeah Um, maybe a little satirical yeah yeah like they're they're really sending up the uh the 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 nature of like you know world war ii and post-world war ii kind of spy movies and bond Mm -hmm. type things uh they're called the oss 117 movies which i really uh really recommend okay yeah. I shall check that out. Um, but yeah, I like him a lot in this role. Um, he looks like he can change his face up. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, we definitely, obviously, keep Jean Reno. Uh, I had two actresses for the wife and, and a girlfriend. I don't know if you did have I any. only had one actress for the female role, and I didn't really choose which woman it was. I kind of just wanted to stick with one female as opposed to going with multiples. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went with Melanie Laurent. I know you had Lea Sado and who was the other? Uh, Clements Posey from right. Rouge. Yes. Um, that's uh, all of them. Yeah. Um, that's true. Yeah. We could actually put in all three of them uh, because there were at least three main ones. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> so Melanie Laurent, Lea Sado. I have no idea how to spell that. I know it's like S-U-D-E-X-Y-O or something like that. Uh, um, I believe it's S-E-Y-D-O-U-X. Yeah, it sounds right to me. Um, and then I did have that one final character as like his criminal buddy, which was uh, Jude Law. All right. Yeah, we, we we need that because that's how they find him. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we need to... We need to cast the reporter uh i had suggested vincent cassells oh yes yes you did yeah yeah because he had played uh jacques mazarin yeah that movie was like from uh 2008 as i was reading this article so i was like wow okay so this article is actually a little bit older <laughs> um or actually no this article is from 2014 but yeah the movie came out and... yeah oh no it says taken from the august 2009 issue of days so it's a recap oh, of the article yeah and so again, it, read the article, but also definitely check out this channel biographics and their video about him. I learned some very cool stuff. Uh, there was a quote that I wrote down um, that was that I found from that video. Let me try and find it. Oh, there were some really good ones that he had. Yeah, um, this is this is a quote from Jacques, um, which I love the nature of it. It sums him up so well. The only way to beat the house is to go with a gun. That's the tagline right there. I mean. Yep. That's the tagline. That's it. The other one I really loved is in the article. He says, and what, when they asked, uh, the judge asked, what did you do with the money you took in the holdup? He said, I put it in the bank, your honor. That's still the safest place to keep it. (laughs) (laughs) What a fucking asshole. (laughs) So good. So good. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, we go with a thousand faces with Matthew Vaughn directing in our cast of, actually, this is a bigger cast. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven people. Um, it's nowhere near as big as our uh, our cast for the uh, for the death row baseball game, but <laughs> oh right, yeah. <laughs> so we had to think a good twenty for that or something. We murdered Dwayne Johnson <laughs> in like the first five seconds of the film. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I love doing this podcast because we get to do those things. <laughs> oh Lord in heaven. Uh, yeah, I think we, this one came together very quickly because we were both on board with the same style and, uh, and choices for our, for our plot, uh, and acts of this film. 
Uh, so I think that's basically what we got. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. This one was recorded on Wednesday the 16th. This will be out tomorrow morning, Thursday. Um, yep. The next week, uh, luckily, Christmas Eve falls on Thursday. So we will have a special Christmas episode for you. Uh, and then we'll probably get back to our biweekly schedule after that. So the next episode after that would probably be June, uh, June, January 7th. Ooh, as we, that's a long break. <laughs> as we get into, um, as we get back into, or not back into, as we get into 2021. Uh, so hope you guys are all staying safe. We're in the middle of a snowstorm right now. Um, other than this. I don't know if I have anything to plug. I have something I'm working on, but I don't know if I want to discuss it just yet. Uh, it is another podcast um, that I'm I'm working on tweaking around, but I don't know if I'm going to drop that ball just yet. Um, White men Rob, always have at least three podcasts. What do you say? Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> it's just they're easy to do. <laughs> um, do you have anything you wanted to plug? Uh, I would say uh, just because we're in that uh, holiday season, uh, my producing partner, Jeremy, has been adapting uh, Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol oh, to an right. audio format. You can check I that happened, out. I happen to be in that. <laughs> yes, we both are. Uh, you can check that out. Uh, it's from the Little Falls Public Library, so check them out on YouTube. I believe uh, Stave 3 was just released this week, correct? Yep. Yeah, yesterday, I think. The Ghost of Christmas um, Present. Yeah, and then Stave 4 will be the final released... Uh, next week i believe in time for christmas yes yep yeah so uh you can definitely listen to that uh over on youtube uh little falls public library uh produced and scored and written and put together by uh our buddy jeremy doyle who did an excellent job with that who's also a big part of obviously cape swoosh who rob is also a big part of i am a big part of we've done a lot of audio recordings there um on top of that i would just like to say stay safe uh, please be careful uh, this holiday season. If you're going to be visiting family, just make sure you guys are safe. We want everyone not to not to get sick because it doesn't seem to be working so well this year. We're, um, we're getting close, guys. Just, mm-hmm. just weather it for a while longer. Yep. Weather it. Because it's snowing out. Um, <laughs> boo. <laughs> boo. Boo. <laughs> I was saying boo urns. <laughs> uh, I think that's all I've got. So... Thanks for joining us, folks. I think we'll see you in the next one. And uh, again, like, share, subscribe, all that same jazz we talk about every week. Uh, You know where to find us. We'd love if you got some new people listening. And again, please pitch ideas. We're everywhere. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, email us wherever you want. Uh, Make sure you review the podcast wherever you listen to us. And that's what I got. (laughs) Well, I've been Rob. I've been Nick. And somehow that's what we got. Thanks, everybody. What Do You Got is recorded live at the Cape Swoosh Studios in Bloomfield, New Jersey. Our theme song was written and performed by Trevor Campbell. Additional music is provided by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. And our wonderful logo was designed by Gabby Weiss. You can find her on Twitter at, at Gabby Weiss.